Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, April 18th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here in the house with Steve Say. Greetings. Bob Ryer. Aloha. And Stephanie Cook. Yay, hi. (laughs) Um, So we have a big show for you this week. Big, big show. Really big show. Really big show. We have... uh, (laughs) It's a really big show. A really big show. We got really a big show. We got a really big show tonight, folks. Topo Gigio yeah. and the yeah. Beatles are here. Yeah. Um, we have Joe Keating, writer of Hell Yeah and Glory, on the show in a little bit. We're obviously going to talk about our book of the week, and then we're going to also do some stuff about some news. News. Um, but before we get started, I just want to ask everybody, how's, how's things? Yesterday was tax day, so that's fun. Not for me. No. Well, sorry. Well, it was for me. <laughs> my, mine was back in Suckers. February. Yeah. No, big day yesterday. Went to the movies yesterday. Oh, right. Yes. We can't talk about it. No, I'm the only one who hasn't seen the movie that you guys... Cabin in the Woods it's is so good. spectacular. Go see it. I'm Multiple to... times. Don't go watch any it. trailers. Don't watch anything. Don't, Don't read know anything. anything about it. Just go. I know. Awesome. I know. I know. I have to go see it. Um, and I also had the pleasure of checking out The Raid Redemption. Cool. Um, I've been saying this to everyone. Out of a scale of one to ten, it's about an eleven point five on the violence scale. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, satisfying Classic. violence, not like you know, Stop. kill you, torture, rape violence. Like good, solid, like if it's Pakistani martial arts violence. <laughs> uh, I didn't know there were Pakistani martial arts. Right? I didn't know until no. yesterday. And <laughs> it turns out that it's pretty badass. Um, really, really good. Very, uh, very engaging. Um, it's a fun. It's a fun time between Cabin in the Woods and and uh, the raid, and then we watched Attack the Block, which I had a buy after seeing it. Yes, it's so just, good. Just love. Yeah, I love that movie. I had to review it when it came out, and I I hadn't heard too much about it, and I enjoyed the crap out of it. It's so fun. It's just such a great take on that genre. Well, it's, it's kind of the you know I'm, I'm always the the odd one out on this conversation. <laughs> okay, but you know I I after I watched it twice. I watched it last night with Steve, though I zoned out for about five minutes because yeah. I'm an old man and I'm, I had a beer and I fell asleep for five <laughs> minutes. Uh, I picked up so much more the second time and even watched it with subtitles, which helped. It's the Monster Squad. Yeah, it really is that sort of vibe. Only it's mm-hmm. gangster kids. Mm-hmm. But they do heroic things eventually. As I pointed out to you, during World War II, Warner's, the gangster movie company, decided that there was something worse than gangsters, which was Nazi. So they had gangsters fighting Nazi movies. Well, that's what this is. Gangbangers are bad, except space aliens are worse. I like, like, with British everything, that they're just not afraid to kill people off. Like, to me, it makes a movie so much more, like, edge of your seat, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's um, in play. Yeah, um, I won't spoil it, but there were there were things. I mean, this is probably my seventh or eighth time seeing the the film, mm-hmm. and 
there are still things that I'm noticing that they had done that I didn't realize before. Like I, the limp. I, yeah, the limp. That was really cool. I don't yeah. know if it was intentional. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's just uh, it was good stuff. Can and I the say? special features Sorry, are really good for it. Go yes. I, I said that to Steve before. That may have been the best making of documentary I've ever seen in yeah. terms of entertainment. Is I definitely of those normally kids. hate them. Really? Yeah, I, I don't generally like them because I find with a lot of movies, they it's kind of put them together for the sake of having a special feature okay. right, on yeah. their yeah. disc. But this felt like they made it because they wanted people to understand why they made this movie and that it was like a passion project and I really enjoyed what everyone had to say about the film and Mm -hmm. like it's a feature that I would watch again which is really 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 rare for me because like I just I want to watch the movie and that's pretty well it usually Mm -hmm. so anyways Uh, anyway I just need to say we'll we'll get out of this in a second (laughs) I I honestly and I I, it's one of those times where I feel like the the leper when everybody talks about this movie because I saw the movie I saw the movie there and I really just thought it was okay. Like, I did not have this reaction oh, really? to it at all. And I expected, because all the movies you're talking about that you compare it to, mm-hmm. I love those movies. And so that when I saw this movie, that's what I was expecting. And I just didn't connect with, like, anything that happened in the movie. You know, I, I, was, wow. I was just kind of cold to everything that was happening. There was a couple moments where I thought to myself, well, that's pretty cool. You know, but I didn't connect to any of the characters in any way. And it's just weird. And it, it's not... it's. It makes me feel like a crazy person sometimes. You know, a crazy person. You know, <laughs> because it was a movie that was evangelized all over kind of geek culture before it came mm-hmm. out. You know, and so it was a big deal to go see it. And then I saw it and my real feeling after seeing it was that was what everyone's making such a big deal about. And But then I talked to all these people whose opinion I trust and respect. And like, I love that movie. It's amazing. And it just... It just doesn't compute in my head for some reason. I just can't. It's all right. Maybe I know, but it's just weird. See it again, maybe. I, 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 I mean, I'd be willing yeah. to see it again. I'm, I, I didn't. I didn't. Dis, I didn't dislike the movie. I just didn't love it. I just think that once it once it gets going, it doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I like movies like that. And I like I like a good redemption tale. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there are things that if you watch it again, you'll pick up mm-hmm. that they there's a lot of foreshadowing mm-hmm. in the movie. Tons. And if you watch it again, there are things towards the end that were foreshadowed in the beginning that I didn't even, like I said, my eighth time. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, look right. at that. <laughs> right, yeah. And um, it's it's smart. Cool. I like it. Awesome. awesome. Is, is anyone else watching hockey? It's the playoffs, guys. I haven't watched it, but I've been hearing all about it from friends. Yes. Fighting and elbows and suspensions. It's a big, and, uh, oh. Penguins are down. The Penguins lose. They're down three games to none, right? Yeah. And Vancouver is down. Three games. Three games. Yep. To uh, L.A. But personally, as much as I love rooting for the Canadian teams, this is probably better for the city of Vancouver. I mean, last year they were in the finals and that didn't end so well for Vancouver itself and um, Mm -hmm. a lot of stores and cars and people. The the team that they lost to, (laughs) my Boston Bruins are doing quite well right now. Mm -hmm. Mm. Although, was it, who's Boston playing right now? Um, Shit. The Flyers? No, no, no the Flyers. Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh yes, okay. and the Flyers. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. But uh, yeah, who? I watched the San Jose game last night against St. Louis, and well, no, I guess it was the, on Monday night. Sorry, not last night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was math. so good. Yeah. They almost like it, they were down. It was four one, and uh, they 
scored two goals in like the last two minutes and then they almost scored this goal to tie up the game in like the last one second of the game. It was crazy good. The Canucks in LA was just literally like the entire second period. For mm. anyone who knows that I played hockey, I mean, they got more penalties in that one period of the game than I did for like my entire season. I'm not mm. sure about that. We've heard about your hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why that's why this is so comparable. She got, a, she got a penalty on her first day. I remember yeah. when she she left and then she came back to talk to me later in the night. She's like, Yeah, they put me in the box. Like, why? She's like, this bitch was looking at me strange. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. You were like, she wanted it, so I you gave lied. it to her. No, no. I said it was because just because she didn't know how to like, you know, stand up on her own two legs. It's not my fault that you know. You she knocked fell her over. over. Mm-hmm. You have to remind her of gravity. Right. Come on. Get uh, your balance together. You're playing hockey here. The Bruins are playing the Capitals, by the way. Okay. There you go. Um, So that's enough about hockey and attack the block. (laughs) Let's uh, talk about some comic books. Oh. Um, Steve, why don't you go first? I know you have a little bit of a a litany to go through here as far as Book of the Week. All right. Well, I read a ton of books this week. And uh, fortunately for me, many, many of them were very good. But I will just run through them very quickly. Uh, Batgirl. It's going to be like the Animaniacs doing the countries of the world. Yes. (laughs) Sing it out. Very quick. Batgirl number eight. I was a little disappointed with uh, number seven. Number eight has completely pulled me back into the story. Uh, Anybody reading Batgirl knows there was some really great stuff going on this issue. Big reveal at the end. Revelations, yep. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. Right, Right back on track. Moving on, because uh, I don't know that anybody's talking about it tonight, but Saga number two mm-hmm. was fantastic. That series continues to be amazing. If you're not reading it, you should be. Um, and my three, my three main ones that I want to talk about really quick, uh, Batman and Robin number eight. As I stated uh, earlier in, in our shows that Batman and Robin, in my opinion, is the second best of the Bat books that are out right now of the DC New 52. Um, this particular issue I really enjoyed because we had just gotten done with a major uh, arc that pretty much defined the character of Damien. Mm-hmm. He's now established where we're settled and where we are. And what issue number eight was was in my my interpretation of it was a like a vacation issue or like a pulling everything back mm-hmm. where you're, you're taking a break and you're, you're kind of resting from the big, like the villains and the danger, yeah. but it's, it's a, it's a fallback issue done correctly mm-hmm. where you're still pushing the characters forward. And there was a huge emphasis on the father and son relationship between Damien and Bruce and especially the other father figure of the group, which is Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge fan of Alfred. I think that he's a major, major part of the Batman universe that without Alfred, there would be no Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, without him to stitch them up, tell, tell him when he's wrong. He's yeah. pretty much one of the only people that can tell Batman and Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. you're not, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. And he will actually listen to him. It and, fixes him up mentally too. It's yeah. not just physically. Yeah. Alfred makes him think. So really great issue of taking a break, but by the time you get to the last page, you know that it's coming, it's on all over again. Yeah. So very, very cool. Um, another uh, thing. Real quick before, because yeah. I read Batman and Robin number eight. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. It, it, it has... And sometimes in TV they call things bottle episodes, which are they put their characters into a room and like goes go, you can't leave this room. You know that's kind of what they do. Got to solve the problem to get out. Yeah, yep. and in in TV it's because 
either they can't figure out where they want the story to go next or they don't have the budget to do a bigger episode. But in this, it's really nice because, you know, Batman and Damien are hurt, basically. They, they're rec- recuperating from this crazy arc that happened. And to kind of see their connection and to see the way Bruce talks to his son, really for the first time in the arc, like his son and not like Robin, mm-hmm. is really refreshing. And, and I absolutely agree with you. I think that, you know, they're... Batman, uh, Scott Snyder's Batman is is in that kind of next level where I feel like in twenty years people are gonna re- this is gonna be one of those arcs the, that yeah, people the Scott are Snyder yeah. you know yeah. that people are like mm-hmm. did you read the Owl arc the you know yeah. the Court of Owls mm-hmm. arc not everything can be that but this though is really solid storytelling and if mm-hmm. you like Batman it is the only other Batman book you should be reading well it's right like now. if if Scott Snyder's Batman is the cerebral Batman mm-hmm. which I think it is. Mm-hmm. The Batman and Robin is like the heart mm-hmm. Batman. It's much more emotional. Um, like I said, the whole father-son angle, I mean, I have a personal connection to it, mm-hmm. but um, it's nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's being handled really well. Uh, Damien's lost a lot of that brattiness, mm-hmm. and he's starting to respect his... He wants to be his father. Yeah. And we're finally getting to see that that's genuine yeah, and that it's not just him looking to be a badass. It's him looking to mirror his father and follow in his footsteps. Right. Yeah. You know, that the whole time that he's being a brat is that he's really just being a brat to himself. Yeah. That he's, he's not living up to his own expectations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, very, it, it, it hit me. I thought it, I thought it was, I didn't expect, I was like, I wanted a really good issue after cause we just got done with something really awesome. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, a lot of these second arcs in the 52, some of them are kind of boring me. Mm. And I was like, please let this be good. Mm. And it was a really nice transition issue. Yeah. Um, this one I can't talk about too long because I don't know much about it. I know that um, it's called Criminal Macabre. Macabre? What was that? Macabre. Macabre. Okay. Yeah. Written by uh, Steve Niles with art by Christopher Mitten. Uh, this is an existing series that uh has like two omnibuses it's been around for a while it's got four separate uh four issue four separate arcs uh about a guy named cal who this collection it's a one shot that they uh came out last week and what it is is it's a collection from three other stories that they just dumped it all into one issue and basically just wanted to give you a clue into the vibe of this criminal macabre world. Mm -hmm. Um, The issue uh, of this one, the one shot, the cover's actually done by Fiona Staples, who does Saga. Yeah. We all know is beautiful and amazing. Um, Really, really pulled me in. Like, I I read it, probably the fastest book that I read this week, because it was just, the character was so good and so snarky, but in the the way that I like snark, Mm -hmm. And uh, he comes back from the dead, and he's basically learning to cope with all of the things that he's been kind of like a wise-ass to his undead friends, that now that he is also a part of this, mm-hmm. like, he's fallen apart, his thumb is, you know, like, he thinks that he's stronger, because the people in this world, they have, like, powers and stuff, but he does, he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really, really cool read. If you want to pick up something different, or maybe you want to get into cr- a Criminal Macabre and don't really know much about it, it's a great thing to pick up and give you a taste of what it is. I actually went out and picked up all the other stuff this evening from a friend because cool. it was it was that good. Awesome. Uh, and my last mention, probably my favorite, if I had to pick a favorite of the week, is um, by Dark Horse Comics, uh, Alabaster Wolves, number one. 
absolutely just awesome. Very the the best word I could describe it as is different. Um, put out by you want to help me with this one, Bob? Sure. <laughs> it is Caitlin Kiernan, Steve Lieber, and Rachel Rosenberg. There you go. Cheating. <laughs> Come on, do it yourself. <laughs> I, I no no no. Well, no, I well, Steve mentioned this book to me yesterday, and Caitlin Kiernan I've seen in tons of Lovecraft documentaries. She's a oh, really? well world renowned fantasy and horror author. See, she's writing this book here. Listen, sometimes I can't bring it to the next level. <laughs> That's why we have Bob. Anyway, well, you can still pronounce the names yourself. <laughs> no, we leave that for you, Steph. Yes, <laughs> I'll take next time. I'll take a picture of it with my phone. I'll send it to you, and you can read them out. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so getting back to Alabaster Wolves is about a uh, young, uh, 15, will be 16, I believe, girl named Dancy Flammarion, who is kind of a Joan of Arc of this world that's inhabited by evil and monsters. And she was gifted with the, the vision and the voice of the Angel of Vengeance, I believe it mm-hmm. is. And she basically uh, gives her the information and forewarns her about all the dangers and evils throughout this world. And Dancy has taken it upon herself to be the body of that vengeance. And she's going around and she's slaying vampires and ghouls and things. And what's what really struck me about the issue is the same thing that I was talking about, I believe, last week with Morning Glories, is that yet we have another issue where you're pretty much just watching a conversation. She's talking to a werewolf, and the werewolf uh, ends up having some personal possessions of hers. And she basically, um, Dancy wants them back. The werewolf doesn't want to give them back. She's like, well, listen, I will play a game with you. We'll do three riddles. Whoever answers the riddles, best two out of three, wins. If I lose, you can eat me. If I win, I get my stuff back. Hmm. And the riddles are just the the conversations that they have while trying to answer each other's riddles is such a a great clue into the character and into this world that we inhabit that just by way of conversation of these two people, you get a real sense of where this book is going to go, who these characters are. And by some absolutely fantastic artwork, um, and I just, I love that. Bob, you read it. I did too. The writing is so wonderful here. It's old-fashioned. It's captions. It's internal monologues. All this takes place. They're having a conversation sitting at the bench at a dilapidated gas station, old Esso waiting station. Waiting for the bus that Waiting never for comes. the bus that never comes. Mm. And it's just one of those slice of life sort of, here's 10 minutes in these characters' lives. Mm-hmm. And you want to see more. Yeah, it's uh, one of five. Great, great introductions. Off to a really good start, and I am super looking forward to the next issue. Awesome. So great. those are my favorite books of the week. Um, oh, my goodness. Every time you said Dancy, all of a sudden, uh, Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer, like popped into my head, and now I want to watch Almost Famous. Well, you should always wow. want to watch Almost Famous. So. It's true, but now I have, <laughs> a reason. you know, Tiny Dancer stuck in my head. Well, You're welcome. It's better yeah. than Millie Vanilli being stuck in your head. Well, to try to... That's true. Yeah. Mind. So I'm not going to start. No, no, no. I'm done. Well, Musical <laughs> interlude. To try to get it out of your head, Stephanie, why don't you tell us about your book of the week? Well, again, last week, you guys heard me talk about one of the DC 52 books that I fucking hated. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this week, I kind of... I, I, I decided to read something that I loved from that 
batch of stuff. Bum, 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 bum. Thank you. Thank you. Thank fanfare. you very much. Some fanfare for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, everyone knows that we love Jeff Lemire on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I decided to get into some Animal Man. And Animal I man. am loving it. It's just, I think it's the first comic since probably Morning Glories that I've just felt so compelled to keep reading. Mm-hmm. I read the first issue and I, I, my plan initially was to read like all the number ones and kind of pick out which ones I wanted to stick with mm-hmm. and which ones I wanted to get out. Like you guys did back when, you know, it started. Yeah. Um, and I, as soon as I started reading this, I, I couldn't stop. Like I had to, I read the number one and, you know, I went to go move on to other stuff and I was like, I can't, I can't <laughs> do it. Got to go out. Got to go by the rest. Right. And I, I've just been reading it ever since. Like, and I've been rereading them. I'm I'm only up until number five now, and um, I'm trying to get the swamp thing stuff because they've hinted that that's sort of the beginning of the tie into there. That? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it doesn't tie in yet, like directly yet. But that's the beginning of sort of the journey towards the the meetup of those two books. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I think it's so great because Buddy Baker, right? Yeah, Buddy Baker. Yeah. Yep. He's just so different to me than any other superhero because he's got this family. Mm-hmm. His family knows about him and his priority one is always protecting his family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like it just kind of gets all screwy when his family becomes, well, part of his family becomes, you know, this sort of key to the world and yeah. to life. And he just has this incredible dilemma to deal with. And Jeff Lemire does this amazing job of, you know, it conveying what's going through Buddy Baker's mind and, mm-hmm. you know, his little girl is such a great character and I, I can't wait to read more of it. I'm so glad you guys told me to check it out. And I don't think you guys saying, you know, it's really good even does it remotely any justice <laughs> no, to just yeah, how yeah. great it is. Yeah. Um, the great thing about Animal Man is that Animal Man himself, Buddy Baker, is barely... A, the superhero of the story, you know, mm-hmm. his daughter is much more kind of the, the the power in the story. And in fact, Buddy spends most of the book getting his ass kicked whenever yes, he tries to fight anybody. Yeah, she's, she's saving him. Yeah, because he's in over his head, you know. And it, it's it's great because it's in my mind. What's great about the book is that it does slice of life stuff in a superhero comic. And that slice of life stuff, though, is as good as any slice of life stuff I read in books that are all about that. Yeah, I um, I also love that the family are they're pretty like able to protect themselves. Yeah, they're not damsel in distress, dumb. No. Like sometimes people will write in a family or write in characters mm. just to put them in danger. Yeah, and have them be helpless mm. so that the hero can look more heroic. Yeah. That's not the case with this. No. no. The mom's like grabbing shotguns yeah. and she's, you know, <laughs> punching people in the face and, yeah. I'm, and the, the son's like strategizing mm-hmm. escape routes. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Good. They're, They're awesome. all really smart. And I don't think there's any characters that annoy me to the point where you're just like, use your brain. Right. Like it's uh, worst. <laughs> great book. Like it's oh, not a book. Great series, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, Oh, I just want to read more and more and more of it. And I want to, like, again, like Morning Glories, like I just want to keep on going back to it. Cause, yeah. I mean, and even the art is just amazing. It's just so quirky and it fits in with the story so perfectly. They just have this sort of perfect marriage of 
words and pictures. It's so <laughs> grotesque, but like, yeah. like gorgeous at the same time. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Well, it goes from sweet little moments to these insane, almost surreal. Uh, oh, it's not even almost. It absolutely yeah. is. Well, for the, the people who have caught up with it, like yeah. I love the kind of thing where. Um, Without spoiling it, but with the red and when they're kind yeah. of going to the red and mm-hmm. how their bodies get all kind of contorted and his face is just sort of eyes and teeth and tongue. Mm-hmm. But like it's just so – like you can almost see what's going on. It's almost to me like you can see how it's playing out and uh, it's just such an overall solid series. I yeah. can't wait for you to start reading Swamp Thing because Swamp Thing – even though it didn't start off as the, I mean, I guess maybe they knew that mm-hmm. they would be, they planned it together that, yeah. you know, in a, in a few issues they'd be joining forces, but Swamp Thing reads a lot like Animal Man or that it has that same, it feels like it's happening within the same world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where that Animal Man world is so different from everything else in the 52 mm-hmm. that the only other one that mirrors it is Swamp Thing. Yeah. And Steph, like when you get to read Swamp Thing, I think you'll, I mean, I I enjoy both of them, mm-hmm. but you'll definitely get like a, a great sense of satisfaction when you start reading Swamp Thing because the two of them between the red and the rot mm. that they're very similar that it it mm-hmm. really you see it start to come together even from the beginning yeah and it's just such an awesome marriage of two absolutely crazy and opposing characters it's yeah. awesome yeah it's and cr- for me oh sorry no 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 go ahead Stephanie um I like I was just gonna say I know I've been kind of going on for a little bit now but um. I have a little bit of background into each of the characters in the DC New 52, with the exception of like Animal Man and a couple others. Mm-hmm. And this is the first one I think I've really gone into. And again, I don't have any background on him, but I didn't need to. It There's obviously stuff missing that I missed out on, mm-hmm. but they don't really allude to it a lot. And it allows me to just get absorbed into this story yeah. wholeheartedly and not have to really backtrack and i think that's what the dc new 52 should have been about mm-hmm. for the most part across the board and this i mean we i know that we all love like batman and stuff like that mm-hmm. but for me this is just this is what comics should be like superhero comics should yeah. be like yeah absolutely and they do a good job because the way they get around that is they say you know buddy baker is retired and this is kind of what's happened after he's retired. So they don't have to deal with the other stuff. They can t- say, like, I thought you were going to give that up or, you know, you did this, you did that. But they don't ever have to really get into anything that he's done. And um, what's great is there's one moment, and I don't think you've even gotten there yet, Stephanie. I don't know yet. But there's a moment where they're in the camper. And, you know, somebody asked Buddy, like, well, what about the Justice League? You know, and he's, <laughs> he's like, they're busy doing other stuff. I don't think they're going to, like, come help me with, with this situation. And it's cool because it places in the universe and it lets you know that he knows these other characters. Mm-hmm. It's just what's going on there is a very personal story at that moment. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a great book. I mean, it's the book, one of the books I look forward to the most every month. Absolutely. I gotta catch up. I think I'm like three issues behind, okay. and then I have to read it in tandem with Swamp Thing. Not yet. You don't have to read it in tandem yet. They're not. They haven't linked yet. I think I'm, I'm glad go... to hear that because I, I want. I've been avoiding. Like I wanted to pick up Swamp Thing first and right. get into that before I went back to issue number six for uh, Animal Man. But now that you've said that, I'm gonna. No, we're through issue eight, up. and they, they still haven't linked up yet. Like well, officially. In that case, after we wrap this up, <clears throat> like now, I you know. <laughs> I want to get back to this ASAP. Can I ask a question? Does anybody remember the old RC car called the Animal? The one that had no, nope. no. It's it's 
maybe our listeners will, that it had tires that uh, giant tiger claws came out of the came out of the wheels. And if like if it encountered like a small rock or something, they would they would protrude out and then it would climb over shit. <laughs> and it had like a whole theme song. No. Wow. Sing this it for us. The animal, <laughs> the animal, nothing can stop. Dun, 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 dun. The animal, the animal, nothing. <laughs> no, right. Nothing. Great. The other day, though, I did think about that cartoon. It's lovely, though. Yeah, it was very yes. good. The cartoon. <laughs> that cartoon where the guy turned into a car when he got hot. Do you remember that cartoon? This guy got turned into a car. When he got hot? Yeah, like an like experiment. And then whenever he got hot, he would turn into a car. It was very weird. No, uh, I don't, don't remember, remember that. that one. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Um, anyway, so thank you very much, Stephanie. Animal Man. Um, I'm glad to hear that you're loving it. <laughs> After we got <laughs> on sidetracked. That note. Yeah, on that note. Uh, hot cars. Turns into a car. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I'm um, hot right now. Can I turn into a car? <laughs> absolutely, if you want vroom, to. Vroom. Vroom. Turn to an Edsel, I think, if I was turning into a car. <laughs> so, Bob, what about you? What's your book of the week? Uh, it's family-oriented slice of life, which seems to be our theme. Mm-hmm. It's Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four 605, mm-hmm. uh, with art by Ron Garney this time around, who did uh, Captain America with Mark Wade way back. Gotcha. Um, after the huge events of 604, this is a... Step it down, let's look at all these characters again. And it f- focuses on Ben Grimm here, who's my favorite character ever. So it's just nice to see that. The kids in the Future Foundation have created a formula whereby he can turn back into Ben Grimm one week a year. Mm-hmm. Because he's been the, his body's been the thing for so long now, he can't be turned back. But he can for one week a year. They discover, though, that that's the only week in a year he ages. Mm-hmm. So now this character is living thousands of years into the future and things are coming apart around him. Mm-hmm. It is funny, sad, touching. It's about fathers and sons and families. The ending of this is really, really a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I'm not going to say, I can't say yeah. anything. I don't want to spoil this at all, but this is just a, this is how you do this book. And that he, I just read an interview with Hickman where over the next seven issues, going to be short arcs two and three stories he's going to try to keep shorter stories tell all the things he needs to tell before he exits the stage right uh i'm stunned every month reading this book it was a great book and it, it shares a lot in common actually in a, in a certain way with the batman and robin story that we were talking about in a lot of ways because it is coming off a huge ending to an arc and just a a let's slow down let's look at these characters and it's interesting because in the book it deals with the idea that, you know, one week a year he gets to be Ben Grimm, but you never see that no. week. This is all about the way he is as the thing and what he goes through. And there's a real sadness, you know, there's at first a kind of joy to it and then a sadness to it as he goes along. And So alone. Yeah, so alone. And the, the idea that it's all, the idea that wraps it up at the end um, is really poignant and nice and reminds me a lot of what we talked about um, two weeks ago with Avenging Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And with the cap issue, yeah. Yeah, the cap issue of Avenging Spider-Man. It's just nice because it's, it, it's the little moment, you know, and you don't get a ton of that. No, he said, I still have the remote. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is great. It's a great family little moment. And I, it's interesting because my book of the week, which also you wanted to talk about as yeah. well, which is a new Avengers 24 it, a little more, a little more action focused than mm. Fantastic Four because this is the the first tie in book to Avengers versus X Men, and it, it 
it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, obviously, who you have obviously derided a little bit over the last couple of weeks. And it's a side story, and it deals with a certain Avenger who jumped out of that ship at the end of AVX 1, and that is Luke Cage. And picking it up and reading it, you know, it, it instantly, and I was the one who liked that book the most, AVX 1, it, it made that book better for me reading New Avengers 24 because all of a sudden those that mass of people jumping out of the 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 Quinjet wasn't just oh that's awesome look at all these superheroes it's well there's more at stake here than just even this galactic consequence that's happening and that's how you make a that's how you make a story relatable to people you can't say the world's going to end care about it you have to make that personal and by dealing with Luke Cage and Jennifer Jones and their child and what they're doing to kind of come to grips with what you have to do when you start becoming a parent and you're responsible for more than just yourself, you know, it's really, it was moving. To, it was moving to me in a lot of ways. I mean, absolutely. I'm a big Luke Cage fan. Mm-hmm. Sitting in my little pile of stuff here <laughs> is Luke Cage number one from way back in the old days. <laughs> wow, 20 cents. 20 cents. <laughs> Sensational origin issue, right? <laughs> Uh, I think this is the first time that Bendis has done this character any kind of justice at all. Now, to, to cop a line from or paraphrase from Quiz Show, I, I don't want to just wax rhapsodic about something here where this is his job to do these characters correctly, mm. but this is a brilliant issue. Mm-hmm. And coupled with that vision issue, yeah. okay, if this is where he could go, let's do more of this. Right. Let's tie these people in because here's a character now so conflicted. He wants to do the right thing for larger humanity, which he did back in his original appearances. Mm -hmm. But he has a family now. Mm -hmm. There's a new layer added to this. And you see that. You see a conversation between two adults who who want to do the right thing, but there might be a different way to do it. And they haven't quite sorted this out yet. And this is going to be ongoing. Yeah, uh, just so well done. Yeah, really impressed. It's a complicated problem they have, and and he deals with it in a complicated way. He doesn't make them just yell at each other and be like, "Well, I think yeah. this, and you think that." They don't want to argue with each other. They want to be on the same side, but they just they have this fundamental thing that separates them, and it it really, if this is kind of what I I like this because Bendis now can deal with the action and stuff in in the larger arc, mm-hmm. and in this he gets to just settle down and write. His interaction stuff, and that's always the stuff I think he does best is people talking to each other. And I think it really, I was reading it on Wednesday night and it really surprised me reading it. And uh, Steve, did you get a chance to check it out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with everything you guys said. I'm, um, I mean, I wasn't probably, I wasn't the most jazzed about AVX number one, mm. but. Like you said, it kind of—I don't know if it changes it all that much for me, but it certainly makes that final page, you know, much, much cooler. Mm-hmm. That I really hope that with all these, you know, extra issues or spinoff issues that tie into the bigger story, mm-hmm. that we get more of these types of stories. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I don't know how much time or how many issues we have dedicated to this thing, mm-hmm. but. I would love if we got one of these types of issues for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Because, I mean, not only would it be huge, it would be a huge undertaking. Yeah. I don't even know if you could do it. But, right. um, like I said, it, it connected me. I connected more with a character that I'd never even read ever mm. than any event that was going on in the main story 
that now that I know what's going on with Vision, now that I know what's going on with Luke Cage, that there are other things at stake, things that I can actually relate to, like a relationship or something that means something to you. I've never been privy to the end of the world of an intergalactic war. So as cool as my imagination will allow that to be, this actually tugs at my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like I really, like I understand her point of view mm-hmm. and I understand his wanting to continue to do his job yeah. and to be who he is. You can't, you can't deny who you are. Yeah. You know, like being a father, it changes you and it changes your responsibilities and you know, the party ends to a degree, mm. but you, at his core, he is Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. He needs to be kicking ass in the name of everyone that mm-hmm. isn't able. Yeah. And when I when it all tied in to him jumping out of the the uh you know the 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 jet at the end, yeah. it was like that final the close ups of him with that look on his face. Yeah. That there's like so much more going on in his brain that we now know that not mm-hmm. only is he trying to fight this war, but He's got something at stake personally yeah. that the, whatever punches he throws that now that I know that this is what's going on in his head, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel every – whenever he's fighting somebody, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel something that much more so for that situation. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just going to be a panel of Luke Cage getting his ass kicked or something yeah. that like if he's in danger or he might not make it and I know that there's a family at stake and there's mm-hmm. a future for this kid at stake that it might grow up without its father. Yeah. That's powerful shit. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Great point. I really want to see the... Uh, I hope they do, he does an issue of this for Wolverine because the idea of that story... Because you even get hints of it yeah. in this issue where they're, you know, Scott, you know, they'll see Reasonable and Wolverine, just, a, he's not no, going to. No. Like, you don't know him. You know, this mm. is not going to end well. There's a lot of reservation in what Wolverine's doing because he, he technically should be on the other side of this fight. And I want to see. I hope that they do an issue of New Avengers, but that's all about him and this struggle that he's having. That's great. So, yeah, it was great. And I, I just, when people talk about, you know, superhero comics, and uh, I understand loving independent stuff, career own stuff, because there's a sense of surprise to it. But I love finding new things about characters that I already know or that already exist. To go into a character and that's been written for however long Luke has been, 30 years? 40. 40 years, and to, to find a fresh story that excites you, that really, I really like that. And so I, that's what I love about mainstream well, comic I think work. in this one, he's found a way to get back to the core of what this character is, mm-hmm. where it's, it's drifted in a lot of the mainstream books. Thunderbolts is really the closest Parker's getting to doing Cage. He's been off track for a long time. This may be the return to glory for a character who deserves it. Awesome. So um, that's it for Book of the Week. Uh, We are going to be right back. We have a very special guest, Joe Keating, writer of Hell Yeah and Glory. Can anything stop the animal? The animal. It's a big, powerful four-by-four. But when the going gets tough, it wears its claws to climb over anything that gets in its way. The animal... The animal, can anything stop? The animal, the animal. The animal, clawing its way to the top. The animal, each sold separately, batteries not included. New from Galoob. All right, we are back, and we are joined by a very special guest, Joe Keating, writer of Hell Yeah and Glory. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, thank you for thank you for having me. Of course, man, we're, we're psyched for you to be here. Um... So, obviously, you're a writer of two ongoing series right now, um, but mm-hmm. 
Uh, how did you get your start in the business? Oh, geez. Uh, I, that goes back a long time. Uh, I guess the short version is I did some color flatting, which led to me going to cons and meeting people, which led to me meeting Eric Larson and Eric Stevenson, which after a very long time led to me getting hired at Image, uh, doing kind of office stuff. And then did that for a really long time and on the side did some editorial work and some really short story stuff but i was just focused on doing my doing the job uh which was, it was all sorts of stuff for a long time mostly pr marketing um kind of towards the tail end of it um then i left to write full-time and then that's to two years later i'm i'm now writing full-time and you know doing some comics which which you listed <laughs> so you know that's pretty much it although I put this like that's like that's it but it was like 10 years right. you know what I mean overhyped <laughs> it's success a really long yeah. process yeah um, how did you kind of get to make that transition between being on the PR and the sales side to being uh, on the writing side right yeah did you just pitch them ideas or mm, I, I never felt comfortable pitching anything when I was there just because like it would be fucked up. Oh, I'm sorry. It'd be messed up. I'm not <laughs> no, you can say We're supposed to don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. We love Thursday. Super fucked up if I, uh, <laughs> if I was like, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, image creator, your, your press release is not going to go out because mine is, you know, what I, I kind of <laughs> Right. But uh, Eric Stevenson and uh, especially you and Eric Larson were, were both really can, uh, supportive of the idea of me writing, but I just, whatever, was never so sure about it. And then, um, I don't know, at one point, Eric Stevenson really saw that that's kind of what I needed to be doing. So he encouraged me to do it. And I, uh, so I left on good terms, obviously. And, uh, yeah, man, freaking, uh, it just, it was this long process of just like, I mean, he knew about Hell Yeah for years. I've had that idea for a really long time mm-hmm. and encouraged me to work on that. So, like, I put that together. And then after some time, he pitched to me on, well, not pitched to me, but he asked me to pitch on Glory. So I pitched him, and which meant I pitched Rob, and they hired me out of that. It's just as long, like, I mean, dude, I didn't have, like, an instruction. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I can admit that now, I guess. <laughs> but, like, I was just like, I want to write, and I can't write while I'm doing this gig. So, like, I just got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. I just did. <laughs> leap, leap of faith. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I, I think you got to do that kind of stuff, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to do a creative position and a creative career, it's never going to be safe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I talk about that with friends a lot now. It's like, there, there's always like concerns about it. And there's always like, this could totally screw up and you could like die penniless, you know? <laughs> but like, to me, there's nothing else I want. You know what I mean? There's right. just like, it's like write comics or die. Like, that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got a lot to learn, a lot, a lot, you know, a lot, whatever, but it's, it's, it's all I want to do. So I'm just going to do it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's, you hear that a lot from uh, people who decide to go from, one job into the creative side of things, they kind of have to quit that job or, you know, and yeah. do full time on the creative stuff or they'll always have a kind of a fallback to go to. And that's doesn't really breed creativity. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think about that a lot. Like sometimes if it, like when, when things, especially when they're starting up and I was getting really stressed and I was like, I should just get an office job again. I was like, then you'll never write. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, even if you had more financial security or whatever, um, and you know, things are, things are fine now, but, uh, you know, it's it's I don't know. Just the the idea of of living my life and not writing at this point is is very not attractive <laughs> prospect. I just want to write and I'm loving it and I'm thank God and knock on wood all the time for having the opportunities I do have. 
That's that's great. Yeah. I mean, so when you sit down to to break a story or to write a book, you know, what is that process like for you? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, prof- like no, I was going to say professional writers. <laughs> I am professional, yeah. but like people who are trained, like, have like a set thing. I mean, I, I, my my process sort of depends, especially on the book. You know, I, I was reading this, this thing today that Eric Stevenson wrote about Brian K. Vaughn mm-hmm. and about how he spent a lot of time, like, staring off on the space. And that really made me feel good because I do spend a lot of time doing that, <laughs> just, like, thinking about stuff. And, like, I, I share a studio space with uh, uh, writer Brandon Cypher and uh, Ars Melissa McLean, a few people. And I feel like I spend a lot of time just staring out the window I have here. It's just, like, <laughs> thinking about stuff. And then after a while, I, I just I use a program called Scrivener that I would highly recommend for anyone who wants to write. Okay. And uh, basically, like, it, it, again, it depends on the book. Like, sometimes I, I'll handwrite notes out. And then I, with Scrivener, I can, I can kind of put my notes it's complicated to explain without a visual but you can really break down your scripts into like you basically type up your notes and then you can use your separate notes like your page by page and use that for your script which again it sounds really complicated but it's actually super intuitive Mm. um and so i kind of do it like that like right now um i'm on page 11 of glory 29 and i have like a page by page breakdown on the left side of my screen but with Scrivener, I can have my script on the right-hand side and just refer to that. So it really all depends, though. Like, it's not like I have, like, a secret formula to how I develop glory scripts versus mm-hmm. hell yeah scripts or whatever. You know, like, all that kind of cliched stuff about, you know, oh, it's, you know, use strikes or whatever. It's totally true. You know what I mean? Right. So, but I do have, like, a schedule, I, you know, I, I, and I do have a workspace. Um, and, uh, you know, it just it, it things are... You know, I, I just work on what needs to be worked on at the time. And, you know, sometimes deadlines will spring up or whatever. And But, uh, yeah, you know, you just got to prioritize it and whatever. And I, I, I hope I'm yeah. doing a good job. I think yeah. I it, it, is, it is your job. You know, <laughs> yeah. You're a professional yeah. writer, and people tend to forget that. It's, uh, wow, I've got to do a certain amount of work each month and get these pages yeah. out. Yeah. I, I, there's I, a, oh, go ahead, sorry. Steph. Oh, there's a lot of procrastinating, I find, too, like, just sort also, of Stephanie, you really know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah procrastination is like my, my 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 big vice but that's why I have a studio space because I tried writing from home and it was just like oh at the time, at the time there was not Skyrim but like or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but like, well, I think know. all of us can relate to losing life hours of Skyrim Diablo oh, dude, 3 is only so 28 bad. days you don't even know <laughs> But, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, brag, but I am the Archmage of the College of Winterhold right now, so, <laughs> you know. That's so funny. I'm also the Archmage of the College of Winterhold. You're going to have to Uh-oh. battle it out. <laughs> Priorities, people. Yeah. Uh, do do well, we have to compare know. levels? No. Sorry, Everyone? I, know, I know that you've played I'm, I'm a kidding. lot more. I'm kidding. Yeah. It's cool. Um, <laughs> you're not. Right? <laughs> what's, Bring the, it. what's the hours count? Let's let's hear. I haven't played in months. So. I haven't played in a long time either. Yeah. Just oh. wait, Bob. Just wait. In hundreds. I play in hundreds. I don't do you're going. Sort of. You're in the middle of next month. You'll see true video game sickness when Diablo. I don't think we 3. actually will because we won't hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. I so. promised that I will be on the show that Tuesday. <laughs> I. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you'll already have a beard. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do like, like the Diablo. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shave until I'm done. Mm. It's gonna be glorious. You're awesome. gonna look like but, Hobo Willy Wonka. Awesome. 
let's let's go back let's to our guest. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I had a writing professor in college who told me, you know, ins- that inspiration is basically bullshit. That inspiration is sitting down and working every day mm-hmm. until you get, you know, until you work through all the pain. I mean, a lot of people think writing is very easy, but I mean, it's not breaking rocks for a living, but. It, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, Joe, what, you wouldn't say what you do is easy. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't know. No, I mean, it is a job, but I love it. You know right. what I mean? And like, there's days where it's tough, and there's days when I'm just like, oh my god, what have I done? And there's days, <laughs> it, but I love it. Like, there's just nothing else. That, like I said earlier, there's nothing else I want to do. And all the inspiration's bullshit because there's days when like I'll just like be in the shower or like walking to the studio and just be like, like I a, like I was I was just thinking about just other stuff the other day. Mm-hmm. I was getting ready to go to the studio. And I totally just had this idea out of nowhere for hell yeah. But at the same time, like that's after working for a really long time and more things over and whatever. So yeah, I don't know if I'd say inspiration is bullshit, but I think it's part of the gig. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or part of the process maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you do probably think about it most of your time, you know? So. Oh yeah. No, I'm always thinking comics, dude, like nonstop. It's ridiculous. Well, there's a great quote from Harlan Ellison. People would always ask him, well, uh, where do your ideas come from? And he'd get annoyed answering, from this place in Schenectady. I send him a check every month, and they'd send me ideas. <laughs> yeah, there was something like that in uh, what Stephen King's on writing, where he's like, yeah, yeah, like all of us go to like some well or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, on writing is a great book for, for for writing, and he talks about you know I saw this story in this newspaper, and that's where I got the idea for Carrie. You know, it wasn't like mm. I have it somewhere deep in my brain. It's just. It's- you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing too is like actually, especially this, I'm writing uh, issue 29 on Glory, and as I was writing it, it was unconsciously, but as I was writing, I realized how, and it, if if you read it and you don't know me extremely well, you'll be like, what is he talking about? But like, it's really painfully autobiographical in ways that like no one would ever fucking see. Like, it's all disguised, you know. But I, I think that that that's really important. I think having some sort of core of your truth to what you're doing is really important. And like, like I've never not, you know, I've not experienced anything that I've never been to Mars 500 years in the future or whatever, but like <laughs> yet, but like, you know, a lot of it, the core of it, you know, comes from somewhere. And I think that's another important element is like, I think you unconsciously process through stuff when you're writing, at least if you're writing anything that you're really passionate about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think like, I, I think all good writers from my sort of point of view, even though like comic books tend to be seriously unrealistic, there's always that sort of um, grounding where it's sort of relatable. And I guess maybe, I guess in your case and probably other writers' case, it's because they sort of draw from their life. And that's what I think is great. So that that was my, that was my only thought. There's no actual real (laughs) question there. That's where it ends. 100%, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So that being said, I mean... I guess I'm not going to ask you where you got the idea for Hell Yeah from, but for those people out there who are listening who don't know what Hell Yeah is, um, why don't you tell me what it is and kind of, you know, how it came about. Um, but it's about the first generation raised in a world where superheroes exist, and specifically this guy, Ben Day, who's, who's kind of a dick and uh, doesn't want anything to do with this, this world, but the world forces him to, to kind of get his shit together and, and take part of it. And the first five issues are about the worst day of his life. And that kind of kickstarts the, the, the entire series off. Um, as for where it came from, I mean, you know, it was, I think, reading Image Comics when I was 10 and getting really inspired to write comics from all that. And uh, 
realizing I can do like I mean I love Marvel and DC I think they 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 do have a lot of awesome characters and I'd certainly love to do something there at both their places at some point but like you know the image stuff really showed me there's all the option is you can also create your own stuff and that's where hell yeah kind of came from mm-hmm. and wanted to see uh, like a different type of superheroes because while I would love to write the kind of classic again Marvel and DC type of stuff I think there's so much more you can do with the genre I mean it's kind of a subgenre of science fiction and. You can do so much, so much with that, you know, infinite amount of things. So, like, why just make it about dude to like, you know, stop bank robberies or whatever, <laughs> you know? So that that's kind of where where it came from. Um, I will say the book, as I always envisioned it, kind of kicks in around issue six, so, okay. <laughs> you know. But I don't know if that's a being a poor writer, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you know, whatever. It, it's it's fun. It's awesome. I like working on. It. I mean, I don't know if it's awesome like to read, but to, to write, it's a, it's pretty fun. <laughs> um, so there's a you know very early on in the first issue. I, I don't want to get into details about the issues and stuff because that's not what we're about. Sure. People should go out and read them. But in your world of superheroes, the superheroes have taken a much more active role in kind of shaping the direction of the world. You know, yeah. whereas in Marvel and DC, you don't really see that. Why did you decide to go about it that way? It's just that they would. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if the superheroes existed, it wouldn't just be... I can't see how the world stays the same. I mean, one human being can change the planet, right? Like, that's just in reality. Like, that, mm-hmm. that has happened multiple times. Right. You know, people have created atom bombs, and people have, you know, changed cultures and started revolutions, and it's just like... If one human being can do that, and I, I really believe in the potential of, 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 of humanity, like what would the potential of superhumanity really be? Mm-hmm. You know, and what would the effect of superhumanity really be? And I think it'd be so much larger than just like, well, we, we you know, whenever Galactus shows up, we just punch him out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I think there, there's a lot that, that would happen there in their culture and you know whatever else. So. Right. Uh, we get into it more in the second arc and third arc, but yeah, it's definitely touched upon in the first few issues that like it 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 does really change the way things operate when you go from the world we've known for you know forever into something completely different. Um, I have a question. Yeah, see. actually, sure. um, this is more of a general writing question, but um, sure. how far along in um, in like a series, let's say, do you have to write in order to feel like you you've got enough material that it, it keeps going? That you still like you said that like the second or third or fourth arc, like how mm-hmm. how far ahead in the story are you in your own mind? Oh man, um, it, it depends on the, on the comic or the story or whatever, but. Uh, Hell yeah, I know how that ends. I mean, I know what the last issue is. I know what the last pages are. Cool. Um, and I have a have a massive spreadsheet that like doesn't like issue by issue like everything super detailed plot wise, but I know like what happens. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I kind of do it like a map in that like you know maybe things will change or, or whatever. But like you know I, I don't I, like if I come up with a different idea, I don't want to be beholden to like the way it works. Uh, with Glory, I sort of have a. Um, a looser version of that just because it is work for hire and I'm sort of again I'm beholden more to, to sales and editorial mm-hmm. so but like I could do glory for a really long time I could also end it sooner if I had to but I, I could do it for a really long time nice. um, and I also have an idea about how like if, if I could do my, my ideal tenure and again that's you know up to certain factors outside of my control uh, I, I, w- I would go on for a really long time but you know, it, it it really depends. I uh, 
you know, each each book is kind of different. Okay. Right. And on the subject of glory, I mean, Hell Yeah is your creation. It, it's it's all coming from you. But uh, Glory is a book that was probably created by Rob Liefeld right. and um, was worked on by Alan Moore for a time. Mm-hmm. So what is it? What is it like working on a project that kind of, you know, whatever you think of them were, you know, luminaries in the industry for a good amount of time? Right. Uh, well, Glory is interesting in that I, I think it, I, I believe it operates on a different uh, differently than a lot of work for hire stuff does. Um, and on a personal, I mean, I've known Rob for a really long time. and I've known Eric for, well, Stevenson, who's the editor uh, for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, kind of, you know, these kind of like old friends in a way. So I, you know, I, I'm kind of coming out. It's not like an editor who I've, I've never met or whatever. Um, and also, they're giving us an insane amount of freedom on these books. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I don't know if everyone is reading it, or I'm sure at least seen Glory at this point. You know, she's she's built and uh, very differently than the original mm-hmm. comics. Uh, the storytelling is very different from the original comics, um, and Whenever I have an insane idea, at first I was always worried about getting shut down, but like issue 25, which is the 500 years later issue that came out, I think about a week ago, that was me seeing like, okay, what can I get away with here? <laughs> and uh, just having Rob be like, dude, this is awesome, do it. And just being like, whoa, like, <laughs> okay, I can get away with a ton of stuff here. Right. And Rob, you know, despite whatever, you know, BS there's on the internet about him, yeah, I know from personal experience, one-on-one, for the last like seven years, dude's always been super encouraging and, and you know super supportive. So I don't know, I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I mean, that that's kind of answers a question I had was how do you come on and make something your own that's already uh-huh. existed? But you're saying you got you got a lot of freedom, so that wasn't really an issue for you. But how long did it take you to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to start going away from the the stuff that had come before? Um, immediately, okay. I, uh, um, Eric's sort of uh, directive to me was to think of it like, like just when I was in the pitching stage, mm-hmm. was to think of it like you know when Walt Simonson came on Thor, or Frank Miller came on Daredevil, and like don't negate past continuity, but go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have certain beliefs, which I guess you can call political political beliefs, but whatever uh, about how people are, specifically women, are portrayed in comics and. Mm-hmm. You know, beliefs I think should be standard, <laughs> like you know, and that like, hey, you sh- they should be diverse, and like, not all supermodels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to bring that. I thought that was a good opportunity to kind of bring that to the book, and uh, into how we approach it, and have a really diverse and and and, and uh, um, rich cast of, uh, of of female characters, and primarily female characters. Um, just because it's kind of what I want to see in comics and the type of comics I want to read. So mm-hmm. best advice I ever got was to write the comics you want to read. So sure. there you go. And uh, now they're really receptive to that. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. Not not to not to get on anyone's case, I just kind of get confused by and sort of, not offended, but just the, I just don't like the term strong female characters just because it seems, as a compliment anyway, and it, it just in terms of it not being like just the standard in terms of how characters are portrayed in media, whether it's comics or TV or, or, or whatever, just because, you know, all, 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 you know, pretty much all the women in my life are, are strong. You know, mm-hmm. I, 
I guess saying I have an amazing mother and an amazing stepmom and amazing grandmothers and, you know, aunts and all that kind of stuff. And I've had, you know, amazing girlfriends and whatever. So, like, you know, the idea of it being like, oh, wow, you know, it's, 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 so, it's, so, it's so different is like, I know, <laughs> you know. So, like, right. uh, uh, so I, and I, I don't think of it as, like, I, I'm getting into, you know, writing women in general mode, you know, each, each woman, just like life and just like, you know, every man is completely different and unique and has different thoughts and different, you know, uh, approaches to things and, and different reactions to situations and whatever. So it's, it's, it's more about like writing, say like Riley Barnes or, uh, Gloria West or, you know, the, the specific character as opposed to writing women, you know, the, right. the cat capital W, you know? So like, Anyway, yeah, that's kind of my that's my view on it. Well, I mean, absolutely, and I I think that I mean none of us here would disagree with you in in life sure. that 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 is the norm, but in especially in comics, that's not the norm for right. for sure. female characters to to be strong and well represented. You know, right. either um, damsels in distress or whores. It seems like <laughs> we're getting one of the two lately. Right. That's just depressing. Well, then you you create the comics you want to read. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Perfect, and like. Yeah. So who cares if that's the norm? Screw the norm. Just like do what you want to do. What you want do what you want to see. Mm-hmm. There's you know? a T-shirt in that. <laughs> right. Screw the you norm. Should. Yeah, exactly. Um, you absolutely. Put that on the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, so before we get out of here, um, we've talked about your comics, but what comics do you read, Joe? Dude, I read so many freaking comics. <laughs> I've been. I'm so behind too, though. <laughs> Um, I'll stop everything I'm doing to read Casanova. I, I think that book is, is so damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what am I reading lately? It's funny because you guys told me to prepare for this like ahead of time, but I was just like, well, whatever. Um, I, I like Witch Doctor. That's good stuff. Um, Madman is always, always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savage Dragon is always kind of awesome. Uh, I like Emmy Town a lot. Uh, the autobio strip that a friend of mine does. I'm not a, a massive autobio fan, but it's, she's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like picture what my stack is like. <laughs> oh, I'm reading Lone Wolf and Cub right now for the first time. That's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read that, but it's no. just it's just awesome I've samurai comics. Hmm. Uh, uh, gosh, I don't know. I, I read I read a lot of stuff. I like Secret Service. I thought that was pretty cool because I like Dave Gibbons a lot and Mark Miller's pretty cool. Right, yeah, yeah the new Mark Miller book. Uh, I don't know, man. I read, I read all sorts of stuff from all sorts of different types of publishers. I just like, I just like New and Different is kind of the, mm-hmm. oh, Saga? Holy shit. That fuck, that, that's uh, fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> Fiona Staples is so, I just don't even know. It's like she, I, there's certain people who you see and you can just like, okay, that person can draw anything and mm-hmm. she has definitely earned that in like two issues. Um, and I, I just picked up a, a book she did with Steve Dial called Mystery Society, mm-hmm. and I haven't mm-hmm. read it yet, but I've flipped through it many times, and it's just like, oh, she's so good. <laughs> uh, King City is awesome, uh, Brandon Graham. Uh, I recommend picking up that trade, and of course, Profit's pretty awesome. I think your food's uh, ready. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I said I heard like a microwave beeping, so I was like, "Oh, was yeah, right. my studio mates making a burrito or something." <laughs> I don't know. So. Mm, a creative um, food, <laughs> right? <laughs> or pasta, maybe. Yeah, what, 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 what is it? Behind the behind the scenes it's, of the creative, yeah. <laughs> the director's cut. Yeah, inspiration burrito. 
Um, no, he's making pasta. Never mind. All right, pasta. Uh, not nearly as awesome as pasta. microwave burrito. Yeah, not nearly as exciting as a burrito. Oh. Yeah, we just screwed up awesome. here. <laughs> um, so uh, um, that's about it. Uh, again, uh, Hell Yeah and Glory are on the stands right now. Um, Joe Keating, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. It was fun. All right, Absolutely. awesome. All right, so we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with some news. All right, we are back. I want to thank Joe Keating once again for being on the show. That was great. Um, we're going to talk uh, about uh, a little news here um, just to catch you up. with the C2E2 was this past week, and it's a big convention in Chicago, so some stuff got announced there. Um, just really quick, we... The uh, new Hawkeye ongoing series was announced, uh, written by Matt Fraction, and uh, David Aja, I think is his name, is the is the artist, and they've worked together before, and you know it's pretty much people are saying it's because of the Avengers, and we, that's why he's mm-hmm. getting his own series now. They think he's gonna be a little bit bigger, and they want to kind of highlight the character. Um, I mean, Bobby might not know this off. The, has he ever had his own ongoing? Series? He had a mini series once. Or- okay. But not that I know of. No, interesting. So, isn't they're pushing uh, a, a new character in, in that way? Not new character. He's obviously a very established character. But you know, um, uh, he, the Secret Avengers it will be canceled, or he's in, still in charge of that. I'm sure he'll still be happen? in charge. Or they okay. haven't mentioned that. They just mentioned that uh, the, the series will be starting, and I think it's pretty cool. I mean, he's a character that I don't know a ton about. I know he used to be a villain. No. A long time ago. Tales of Suspense 57, yeah. Right. I mean, the Black Widow. We're <laughs> villains together. No, I think it's awesome, man. You got this like <laughs> mental Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he was her partner. That's when she was wearing a dress and a pillbox hat with a veil. I figured it out. <laughs> Dreamcatcher. Stephen King's the movie, Dreamcatcher, when yeah. he goes around in that file room mm-hmm. with all of his stuff. That's what you have. You have a, fi- you have a mental <laughs> file room of everything <laughs> that ever happened in comic books. And you just walk around in your own head, and you pull the right file, you flip through them, and you're like, there it is. I, I appreciate that. So that means if I'm ever wrong, no one will ever catch me, so that's good. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'll just throw it out there. And if you don't want to know something, you can just burn the files. Oh, shh, don't, don't say burn. I have a house full of paper books. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Hawkeye. Yeah. Hawkeye. So, and we also, Marvel also announced uh, a Gambit ongoing series, right, Stephanie? Yes, it's uh, coming out, I believe, this August, and it's going to be <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> written by James Asmus. Yes. Uh, as, as, yeah, okay, anyways. Asthma? And, uh, what? Nothing. No, not asthma. Shh, quiet. Meow, meow, meow. Oh, meow, 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 you. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's going to be uh, drawn by Clay Mann, who... Uh, now you're X-Men. making that up. Uh, come on. I swear to God. Clay I man. swear. I swear. How do you spell I, the last name? Is it M A N N? Yeah. All right, I'll believe it. Okay, we believe Mon. it. Mon. Mon. I got nothing. Clay Mon. <laughs> Anyways, Clay Man, whatever. Uh, he does X Men, Age of X. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of digging this. I love Gambit. I don't know how successful. His own story will be, but... Seems like a supporting character, but hey, maybe that's the right storyline for him. Yeah, he used to be a very popular side character. I mean, he Mm -hmm. used to be a hugely popular character. At least, I think, when we were growing up, he he was very popular. He's kind of second to, in my mind, when I was a kid, to Wolverine as far as, like, coolness. I remember not knowing anything about him, but I thought he was really cool. Yeah, that was... I loved him in, uh, like, X-Men, the animated series, and his... 
foxy Cajun accent. Yeah. Hey, Gambit. <laughs> Mon ami. <laughs> yes. Talk Cajun to me. Um, <laughs> oh, is, just, that, is that the secret? Uh, <laughs> going back real quick to Hawkeye, Matt Fraction and David Aha wrote, uh, did Immortal... <laughs> David David Aja? Aha? Aha? Yeah. Aha. Aja. Are you, are you, Asia? It was A-J-A. Aja. 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 Aha. Did an Immortal <laughs> Iron Fist together. So, oh, okay. so th- that's what they did together. Um, so yeah, we have a Gambit series. We have a Hawkeye series. We also have a, a new series coming out from Wizard about a certain other... Mm. Someone call him a hero. Hmm. Seems that Wizard uh, thought it was a brilliant marketing idea to have the situation of uh, Jersey Shore fame. I, no, no. He's, no, 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 but check this out. Not, I thought that they were just making a comic book character based on him. No. no. They hired him to create a superhero. And apparently, uh, no, wait a minute. He's not. Oh, hold on, I'm not done. Not <laughs> only, worse. not only. I don't, well, I don't know if this is going to help or what, but because uh, I don't know the rest of his family. But apparently, his family <laughs> members are going to be helping him in the creation yeah, of this so character. So yeah. you're basically you're getting the situation. Because he can't form thoughts of his own. <laughs> well, my my whole like, what are you going to do? Is he going to mesmerize people well, with his? Well, he's abs? going to do steroids. Is <laughs> do sit ups. <laughs> I just it's a superpower. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into my my stance on Jersey Shore. Just it's just it's a just a little bit of news. It's going around uh, broke today. It's ridiculous. I don't care what their strategy is. It's fucking uh, dumb. I no think it, it's a guest star. Exactly. No, it's here. You go. You're marketing acumen here. Whoever's in charge over there. You're now having a comic book created and starring. A guy who's never read a comic, marketed to an audience who's never read, who's a, never read a book. Yeah. Brilliant. Literate. Brilliant. Yeah. And they wonder why this industry is in trouble. There it is right there. He is not now with words. He exactly. Words. There's another shirt we can sell. Bingo. I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, come on. I don't mean I don't know anything about the guy personally. I don't know right. if he's into comics, if he's read comics or whatever. But it's just it's such a stretch. It really is. It's so stupid. You don't, don't have to read you, it. No, I know I don't have to read it. And I you know, I know that's you you like to say that about <laughs> things, but come on, dude. Even you have to admit this is fucking dumb. Listen, if it if this was the situation and they put him in like Batman, then I'd be pissed off. But for a company that's known for publishing a magazine and running a convention to put out what seems like a marketing yeah. maneuver doesn't seem very weird to me. But what is it going to be? Ab Man? The, I have no the idea. Sitch? Poor, it's poor marketing. They'll probably just call it the situation. Oh. But you know what, too? Okay, this... I can't say that people who watch Jersey Shore will necessarily become regulars in at a comic book shop. But you know, <laughs> oh, if they're walking, watching like Jersey Shore or something mm-hmm. and they know that there's a comic book, that's bringing other people into a store that otherwise would probably not go in there. They're not going in. And to be fair, and are you, spending all that tanning bed money. Be as derisive <laughs> as you want about Jersey Shore and I've never watched an episode in my life. Sure. But it's a hugely popular show and it's a lot more than just scuzzy people who watch it. So, it's, it's Bob, it's true. You don't. You, you're not the. You're not the highest rated cable show on television. If you don't have 
normal people watching your show. Can we say lowest common denominator? Well, what you can look forward to is that he'll be smooshing villains everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) the show... Well, the show is lowest common denominator. The people on the show are absolutely lowest common denominator. But I think for a lot of people who watch it, it's not, look at these people, they're so cool. It's, let's go watch this train wreck that mm-hmm. we're going to look at, you know? I mean, I know a lot of people that I trust their taste in pretty well everything else, but they watch it because it's, you know. It's true. Yeah. It's a, it's I, a train wreck. I don't wreck. personally it, do it, it and I know you guys rehab? said you don't. Yeah. But I've never seen, I've never even seen a single frame of that show. I've never. I only know yeah. who these people are from, you know, other people talking about um, it. I've never seen clips of it. I've never seen anything to do with it aside from you know what people tell me. But I think the much bigger tragedy is that the guy makes like three million dollars a year. Well, yeah, yeah. little They're Easter egg, and then we'll and then we'll move on. An they, Easter egg. Yes, yeah. they also mm-hmm. announced um, sometime I think it was today or yesterday that there is a Jersey Jersey Shore shark attack. Movie oh yes, I saw coming this. out oh. where it's a it's a parody of all of them that are within the show, mm-hmm. and they get attacked by like, mongoloid sharks. Somebody um, cleverly said if they had just waited three years to make the that movie, the Jersey Shore stars would be desperate enough to star in it. <laughs> hey, oh, I'd be there for that one. <laughs> oh, but only if they get eaten if by only real it was a reality real show life, and they yeah. really were getting eaten by sharks. You beat me to that one. <laughs> oh, <job>. I'm sorry. <laughs> that you, I we rewind. <laughs> Uh, so we'll move on from the situation, but oh, very nice. Suffice it to say, we'll go into another situation. <laughs> Fist bump. Yeah, GTL. Oh GTL. Huh? Jim Tan Laundry. That's his like saying or whatever. How do you know that? Because it's it's like a pop culture meme at this point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, at the store I used to work at, they sold all kinds of merchandise, and it was in the news story I read about the situ- situation comic as well, but. Um, so back to we probably just made him a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah main. Oh yeah, I'm sure the <laughs> mainline comic news. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about this tease of Spider-Man that had come out, mm-hmm. and it got revealed of what it was, and it was what we talked about. It's the first crossover between the Ooh. Ultimate and mainline universes, and it's going to see uh, Peter uh, in the Amazing Spider-Man chasing a villain stumble into an alternate universe where he's dead. And there's another Spider-Man. Freaking awesome. Yeah, and it's their stories put together. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis and with art by Sarah Pacelli, who is the good artist on yes. Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> I was devastated when they changed the She's artist. still doing it back and forth a little bit, but I'm sure this is why she hasn't been doing it, because she's, they've been working on this event. It starts in June, which is going to be probably right after uh, Ends of the Earth wraps up. And... You know, the the PR statement is all the usual PR stuff. It's going to change their lives forever. And this is the most exciting event in Marvel history and all this other business. But I, I personally, I think it, it, it could be very interesting and bring out a lot. I mean, you were reading both. Steve and I are reading both series. Yeah. Amazing and Ultimate. What do you think about the two universes kind of colliding? I think it's going to be really cool because um, Miles is still trying to figure out how to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I think that by crossing over and meeting Peter Parker, I mean, he's been talking pretty much since the first issue. If I could just talk to Peter and ask him questions, right. that I would be a better Spider-Man and it would make him more comfortable with who he's, you know, he's, he's choosing to become mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it could be a really, if they, I mean, if done right, it could be a really... Um, again, using this word again, a very cerebral Spider-Man mm-hmm. of getting inside the head of both the experienced and the inexperienced and having them meet in the middle yeah. and teaming up and him teaching him 
like, you know, when this is over and I go back to being dead, yeah, you are Spider-Man. You need to, whatever this experience is, this adventure that we have, mm-hmm. you need to get as much out of this as humanly possible. Right, yeah, absolutely. Because you know, you're very green as, mm-hmm. as Spider-Man. Yeah. So, But that may also bleed back to Peter in that now he knows or will realize how finite life is. Mm-hmm. And that may make other choices available to him. He may decide, I need to ground myself here. Yeah. I mean, also, Gwen is alive in the Ultimate Universe. Ooh. And she's dead in the, in the Mainline Universe. So that spoiler could be, alert. That could, be, yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. that could be a very interesting what? Uh, combination there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I love Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. So yes. I'm really looking forward to seeing... And I love the way Bendis writes Spider-Man in general, so I'm... Excited to see how those two universes mesh together. Stephanie, you read the first issue of Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, yes. correct? Yep. So do you have any interest in this event? Um, yeah. I mean, the only Spider-Man I've read really so far is the Ultimate. And then I read um, the I Killed Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And from those, it's really kind of, you know, piqued my interest in both, like, the Spider-Man universe. And, I mean... Everything Spider-Man currently seems really appealing to me, so right, definitely. He's amazing. <laughs> he is amazing. That's Spider-Man. He's so great. Well, I've, it's, it's amazing. Well, just to point out just how how good it's been is that the newer Spider-Mans. I mean, I know I've talked to some people that have said that they're dissatisfied with them, but the new Spider-Man stuff got me into. I mean, you saw the stack of of Spider-Man, yes. and that's just half. Yeah, I picked up the other half a few days ago. Like mm. I bought. Pretty much 500 up to 600 oh, wow. of, wow. of Spider-Man. Oh, I mean, Steve. I, what? <laughs> no, I got... No, listen. When I buy stuff, I have, a, I have an in. I get them for very, very, very good prices. And sometimes do I don't have to... Where do you sleep? Where do I sleep? On a yeah, bed of you know, because like a bed of comics? Yeah. In a three-bedroom <laughs> awesome apartment that I just refurnished and painted myself. You're not going to be a crazy cat lady. You're going to be a, well, you know, not I'm a lady I'm going to all. be both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to be like, you know, crazy comic book hoarder. I am, I am a, a bachelor of the finest quality. Yeah. And I, I have, you know, I have a respectable mountain <laughs> that is i'm growing you know stone by stone each week that i blow all kinds of money on commas because guess what this is the time baby <laughs> i've always really wanted to be one of those supporting people on hoarders so when they record your episode of it please call me down to new york <laughs> oh absolutely you can help me lay everything out just wait until until my next batch arrives and i take my batgirl photo of everything batgirl that i own it's gonna blow your freaking mind does that include the outfit that you wear at night sometimes around the city (laughs) oh you know it does um you're gonna be like come in sit on my chair made of fantastic four trade paperbacks that's right (laughs) and my coffee table Made of Punisher comics. That's how it's going down. <laughs> yeah. Please don't light any candles. All my curtains are made of comic book pages. And <laughs> I, have, I have tea lights, thank you very much. There you are. Those are still candles, though. Um, yes, but they're very small and contained candles. Mm-hmm. I can control it's still them. still flamey. Still flamey. Can't control the fire that's happening in the other rooms, though. Whoa. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hello. Oh. Hello. Hello. Um, so we seem pretty excited about Ultimate. I mean, yes. yeah, this uh, Spider-Man. Um, another tangent. Yes. Something else people are very excited about is the Avengers movie. 
Which there's have, a movie. There's a movie coming uh-huh. out pretty. <laughs> oh gee, I, yeah, I didn't know. That. I didn't know. It's I first no I'm hearing about it. Um, it's not everywhere. Pre-release box office tracking. It's better than um, the Dark Knight from a couple of years ago. Oh, I thought they meant this. It's also better than Dark Knight Rises okay. this year, and it's slightly higher than Hunger Games from earlier this year. Which wow. Hunger Games over over 150 million dollars opening weekend. Woot. The early Oof. reviews for Avengers. Oh, they're good. Yes, they uh, are. They are very good. They're good. Hey, they're good. I've been <laughs> intentionally avoiding anything past like a, this was great. You know, that's good enough. Tweet, I yeah. just look at the numbers. Like mm-hmm. it's out of ten, and I see eight or yeah. nine, and I'm like, okay, I'm like good. I've that's... seen yeah, like five out of fives, tens out of tens. Mm-hmm. It's let me say this: solid reviews. It had better be. Because they've been building up and working on this for a long time, and mm-hmm. there's a lot riding on it. So I yep. I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But I'm generally, the Marvel stuff. movies have been better comic book adaptations. Right. Yeah. yeah. There hasn't been any that I haven't liked. I don't love Iron Man 2, but other than that... I, that movie bored the shit out of me. I, mean, I liked Iron Man 2. <laughs> I just thought that it was... I thought Iron Man 2 has a lot of great character stuff. Um... Um, and some great little moments, but it's a movie made of, I think, acting and moments a lot less with plot. I don't think the plot is particularly... Yeah, where one's through line Zip was it. much better. Yeah. Zip it, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think she's very good at Pepper Potts. Yeah. Yeah, I actually don't really mind her that yeah. much of it, but <laughs> so generally, why? you know. Like the, like, the acting in Iron Man 2 is really good. Like, I think Mickey Rourke is really good in Iron Man 2. I just think the character itself is kind of pointless well, it's also a mishmash yeah he's whiplash and he's the crimson dynamo and yeah. the two don't really mesh right well, but he is very good whatever it is he's doing he's yeah. just not now have you seen the alternate beginning yeah I've seen the alternate beginning that would have helped yeah showing cool. him as a drunkard pays off that scene later yeah it was really long though it's a really long opening for a movie that's already pretty long you know yeah so that's a little bit of an issue i think the iron man movies in general have the problem with they always end with iron man fighting a version of himself oh, yeah. Can we just? I just want another villain. I and, want the Mandarin. Uh, yeah, and I just rewatched oh, the first actually. one, which is great. The first one's great, but the last battle is not great because they gimp him. They're like, "Oh, we'll put, you, we'll give you the the crappy chess piece, and the and you you'll take off one of your yeah. gloves, and it'll just let him fight. You know, do his thing, and just mm-hmm. let it happen. And uh, but what I hear about the Avengers is that the ending is the first ending that's really huge and satisfying and, and, and stuff. So. And sorry, back to Bob men- mentioning the villain a second ago. Um, Iron Man three, Mandarin's supposed to be the villain for that potentially. Yes. We're filming it in China, so a, mm-hmm. a bunch of it in China. Oh. So there's big rumors that it's going to be directed. Shane Black. Shane Black is directing. I make Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So it's exciting to me. Um, but yeah, tracking. It's exciting vi- to me too. All right. <laughs> Just you know. Throw got it your out back, there. Bobby. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> but it's tracking more than Hunter Kings and. And Dark Knight Rises, and that's huge. You know, th- that's gonna be, it's gonna be a huge movie, and apparently the awareness is apparently through the roof on the movie. You oh, know, yes. um, which is that's what the what you want. You know, you don't saw people... the giant poster yesterday. I wanted to steal it from the theater. <laughs> I'm I the thing that I'm the most excited about. I mean, seeing them all in one movie is fantastic. I'm so happy that Loki is oh, yeah. going to be a mm-hmm. central villain character because yeah. I he was my favorite. He was my fa- my favorite anything out of the Marvel movies as mm-hmm. far as villains goes in Thor. Yeah. I thought just his his presence on screen was so commanding and he was so wicked and evil and such a mm-hmm. slippery little shit. He was awesome. Yeah. I completely I agree with you. He's my favorite non-Joker villain, I think. 
in mm. in the comic book movie verse right now hmm. to me. I saw an interview. Can't too. wait for Hawkeye. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Feige was saying, well, because it's Feige. It's Feige. Feige? I think it was Kevin Feige. Don't ask me. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Definitely well, don't ask me. Let's yeah. go Feige. <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's let Stephanie decide. Yeah. Where, there have been a lot of speculation about what's in this movie and mm, some reasons. It's Loki. Yeah. And he's the reason the Avengers get together in the books. So that's why we're doing him. It's important that we do that. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, from all I've heard, too, is the, the Hulk is it's the first time they've really gotten it completely right as far as movie goes. Oh, God. With I tried Hulk. to watch... Um, the the Ed, the most recent one, the Ed Norton, Norton one, the Norton Incredible. Uh, Hulk. Uh, you don't like that movie? Worst. That's good. I like that. No, movie. I, <laughs> I I tried to watch it and it just it doesn't do it for me. Did you see the other one? That's how I felt yes, about Iron Man. That too. was the worst. That was okay. the absolute worst. But <laughs> this is the next absolute worst. <laughs> <laughs> the penultimate worst. Yeah. Kevin uh, Feig or Feige or whatever the hell his name is. Fiji. Kevin. He's Kevin. Just Kevin. Yay, Kevin gun. F. Yeah. Uh, he talked about how the scene at the end of The Incredible Hulk where Downey Jr. comes into the bar. Mm-hmm. He said that scene, they don't talk about that scene or pay that scene off in any in this movie at all. Because they pay it off in that Marvel one shot they did on the Captain America DVD where they're in the diner or whatever they talk about. Oh. Um, start Because they said that scene got written and, and it was... It, it was really there just for the, the kind of a fan thing, okay. just kind of so they could put Robert Downey Jr. in the in like the trailer for Incredible Hulk, so people would go and see it and all their stuff. Um, and he said it's the only thing that they've ever done in any of the movies that almost painted them into a corner, because General Ross isn't in the Avengers and he was never yeah. going to be part of it. And for him to be uh, sort of like, and they didn't the, do like a hunt, they're, they're not doing like a hunting down the Hulk scene. They're like he's not going to be like the, start out the villain. So that's kind of what that alluded to at the beginning uh, in that scene. So I thought it was interesting to hear that. Yeah, it was interesting to hear that. Indeed, that universe I'm, is developing. But I'm really excited um, for the Avengers movie to hear kind of. I've been hearing a lot of good things about the dialogue between the characters, mm-hmm. and I'm really interested to see the banter that uh, they came up with. The, Joss Whedon also wrote the screenplay, correct? Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's going to be great. Like I love dialogue and stuff like Buffy and mm-hmm. you know how quippy like Xander is and Anya and all that stuff and I, I think it'll be a really interesting mm-hmm. uh, place for him to use his skills of wittiness yeah, and uh, yeah that's, we, that's all I gotta um, say about that after yeah. seeing Cabin in the Woods oh, I yes. totally yeah. got me psyched for mm-hmm. Avengers just the, from a writing aspect that the yeah. fact that I'm you know nervous one minute and then scared shitless, and then laughing my ass off, mm-hmm. all within five minutes of each other. Yeah, like, but what? Oh, I was gonna say, but Drew Goddard actually Goddard 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 Drew whatever, Goddard. He he Goddard. wrote most of the screenplay and did the directing. Like Joss, I think for the most part was Consultant. consulting and only really attached his name so that this movie could get funded because oh. Drew doesn't have a lot of um, like clout in the industry. So Joss backed him and said, "Make this movie." Mm-hmm. But I'll I think most of it was movie. actually put together yeah. by Drew as opposed to Joss. Um, Either way. Well, I'm sure well, that I, I'm sure great. that also Joss Whedon wouldn't put his name on a writing credit if he didn't think the oh, script was... Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying yeah. this is... I went to like the screening with Drew. Right, yeah. And this is Goddard. what he... Yes. I'm, I'm just going to call him on a first Drew. name basis. Yeah. So, uh, Drew G. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. That, that's what I got the impression from. But, I mean, obviously, he has, you know... 
the movie, if you see the movie, you know that it is very Joss Whedon. Totally. So he obviously had a lot to do with it. Mm. But anyways. Well, they've talked to the interviews came out recently. The set interviews that have kind of been embargoed for a long time came out a couple weeks ago. And they talked to Robert Downey Jr. about the script. And Downey Jr. Has been, is famous in the, in the Iron Man movies for basically going, okay, this is the scene. Now I'm going to do... I'm going to do my version of this scene. And he'd constantly workshop the scenes until they were right for him. And he said that in this particular script, he didn't really have to do that as much. Um, So I guess written more to his character than the other people have. Maybe Whedon had the two pictures before to get a look at what... Yeah, and I think it's also because it's... Whedon's a better writer, I think, in a lot of ways. And it's a singular vision. Iron Man is written by, like, five people. You know, and this movie is written by Joss Whedon. It's the first writer-director for this Marvel run. That's right, yeah. So it's it's a little bit different situation, and he was able to do passes on the script and tweak the script as they went along, and, and they, they said, you know, the one thing about Joss is that on set, he can just sit there, and you don't, we don't have to go to a writer, we don't have to clear it with the studio. It's just, Joss will sit down and be like, okay, let's workshop this, and he'll come up with stuff, and he said, better than I can come up with, so that we'll just do nice. that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I have a love for Joss Whedon that goes back since I was a kid, so it's it's really exciting to see that this is something he gets to do. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it for news. We're we're running up against it right now, so we're going to move on to this week's releases. My favorite part of the show. Isn't, I enjoy it, isn't it though? Isn't it just the best part of the show? Absolutely. I actually seriously really enjoy it because I get to hear all the things that I'm going to buy today. <laughs> Thank it's, you, Stephanie. You know my yes. preview to the rest of my week. <laughs> And I like commentating on them. All right. I do. So we'll start with Boom Studios. We have Clive Barker's Hellraiser Masterpieces, number 12. We have Irredeemable, number 36. Peanuts, number 4. Planet of the Apes, number 13. And Steed and Mrs. Peel, number 4. Um, from Dark oh, Horse. Already. What'd you say? I, I bought that 20 years right. ago. I have to buy that again. We have Dark Horse. We have Three Story, Secret Files of the Giant Man, one shot. We have... <laughs> How do they get away with that when Giant Man's a Marvel character? I have no idea. Is it hyphenated? It's not. Well, then they can get away with it. There you go. It's We have BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Long Death, number three of three. We have Dark Horse Presents, number 11. We have Hellison Trade Paperback. We have Ragmore, number two. We have Reset, number one of four. Resident Alien, number zero. Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm, number three. Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm. That's what it's called. That's ridiculous. (laughs) From DC, we have Batman number eight. Yeah. We have Mm -hmm. Batman Beyond Unlimited number three. We have Batman the Dark Knight. No, no, no. Sorry. That's the second printing of number five. Um, We have Birds of Prey number eight. Mm. We have Blue Beetle number eight. We have Blackest Night Special Edition number one. I guess uh, they're reissuing. Why? I don't know. If it's four ninety nine, I guess it's an enhanced yeah. edition of the first issue of Blackest Night. Holograms. There you, there you go. Oh, God. Holograms. Captain uh, Adam, number eight. Catwoman, number eight. DC <laughs> Universe. Stephanie's <laughs> not happy. DC Universe Presents, number eight. I have to buy that one. Dominique Laveau, Voodoo Child, number two. We'll see. I want to check this out. The first issue was kind of a clusterfuck, but we'll <laughs> see. Um uh, Fables number one sixteen. Stephanie, don't comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Bill Willingham is a okay. Yes. <laughs> Green Lantern Corps Fine. number eight. Yeah. Hellblazer number two ninety. Justice League number eight. Legion of Superheroes number eight. 
Nightwing number eight, Red Hood and the Outlaws number eight, Supergirl number eight, yeah, Thunder Agents volume two number six, Wonder Woman number eight, and Young Yay. Justice number fifteen. Um, from Dynamite, we have Danger Girl and the Army of Darkness number five of six crossover. Yep, we have Red Sonia number sixty-five. We have Shadow number one. The Shadow is it? The Shadow. I yes. mean, it's just a shadow. Yeah. The Never had him back. Alex Ross covers. Uh, yeah, I know it's Alex Ross covers. I'll, ch- I'll check that one out then. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow do. <laughs> wow. Vampirella <laughs> number 16. So I'm doing laughing jokes. Now it's time to go home. Uh, IDW, we have Doctor Who number 16. We have Eternal Descent volume 2 number 4. We have G.I. Joe, a real American hero number Yo, 177. Joe. Ghostbusters number 8. We have the trade paperback of H.P. Lovecraft's The Dunwich Horror. We have John Byrne's Next Men Aftermath, Yay. number 42. Rocketeer Adventures 2, number 2. Yay, awesome. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Micro Series, number 4. Um, Transformers, <laughs> More Than Meets the Eye, number 4. Um, from Image, we have Bloodstrike, number 26. We have that sounds like an Image book. Bomb Queen, number 7. Queen's World, number 3 of 4. We have Manhattan Projects, number 2. We have Near Death, number seven. No Place Like Home, number yeah. three. Profit, number 24. We have Super Dinosaur, number 10. With a, cape? With a cape? I don't have no idea, Bob. I'd, I'd pay to see that. Walking Dead, number 96. And Witchblade, number 155. From Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man, number 684. Whoop, whoop. We have Avengers, number 25. Mm. We have Avengers versus X-Men, number two. Hooray. We have Defenders, number five. We have Incredible Hulk, number seven, Invincible Iron Man, number 515, John Carter and the Gods of Mars, number two. We have New Mutants, number 41, Punisher, number 10, which is the second part in the Omega effect. Sweet. Um, we have Thunderbolts, number 173. Yay. We have <laughs> uh, Uncanny X-Force, number 24. We have Venom, number 16, Wolverine the X-Men, number nine. Yes. We have X-Factor, number 234. X-Men, number 27. And Yay. that is it for Marvel. Um, and that's it for the week. Oh. Kind of a light week. A little bit. It's definitely a lighter week than last week. For I bought me, a anyway, shit we'll ton of books we'll last week. week. For me, actually. I'll post my, uh, my haul tomorrow. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have bought... <laughs> You know, forty-seven back issues of something. Nah. Yeah. Twelve hundred. Like, yeah. <laughs> to add to your pillow of. <laughs> oh, just you wait. Just by the time that you make it out here to New York, it's going to be ridiculous. I'm like I just started buying all the back issues of Spawn. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> I'm gonna come to visit, and you're gonna be like, "Yeah, here, spare room. It's all good. Just you know, here." And I'm gonna get in there and be like, "Um, uh, so Bobby, Bob." <laughs> somewhere I can crash it's because going uh, to, yeah but it's gonna be snug and it's gonna be comfy it's gonna be like Scrooge McDuck's vault but comic yeah. books yeah. <laughs> open the door and the books fly I out. always yeah. wondered how when he dove into the coins that he sense. didn't just snap his duck neck doesn't make any sense <laughs> There's, a, there's actually a picture, I think. There's like a parody of it somewhere. I'm sure. It's like a solid gold wall. I think yes. it's like um, Adult Swim, like Robot Chicken or something. Yeah. Maybe parodies it. And even if you jumped and dove into it, you couldn't swim in it. No. <laughs> no. This you is couldn't. blasphemy. God, DuckTales. When, when I was a kid, I was like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then he spits it out of his mouth. Can I ask you a question? Did, did the Beagle... Oh, now we're going to get into DuckTales. It's fine. Did the Beagle Boys have names, or were they just numbers? Oh, I don't know. Good question. Because like, there was Ma Beagle, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there were just the Beagle Boys. Maybe they didn't have names. Wow. Beagle One, Beagle Two. <laughs> yeah. Beagle Red, Beagle Blue. I just blew my own <laughs> mind. Um, blew your own mind? That's good. Yeah. I love DuckTales. So do I. Woo. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's great. And the Nintendo game. DuckTales oh, game was awesome. Oh my god. That game was so great. Yeah. It's a great game. All those old licensed games were really good. Those licensed Disney games. Yes. Um, but... That's it for Talking Comics for this week. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with us um, at Talking Comics, we got a great Twitter question this week. Um, we're gonna ta- we're gonna talk about it next week, uh, just because we're running a little bit long. And if we talk about it, that's it's a twenty minute at least conversation okay. for us to talk about it. So um, we're gonna talk about it next week. Um, someone asked us if we could write any DC or Marvel book. What would we write? We're definitely going to talk about it next week. And anybody out there who hasn't answered that question, what would you like to write um, at Talking Comics? Or you can email us, info at TalkingComicBooks.com. The site is TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews. We got a a bunch of reviews that went up last week. We had a great editorial slash review by Bob about the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, Really kind of apropos what's happening with Avengers vs. X-Men right now. So you guys should definitely check that out because it's a great read. Um, we also have our Facebook page, and if you like us on Facebook, the, as the articles, articles get posted on the website, they get posted to our Facebook page. So you can even just get them uh, right there. Um, on iTunes, please rate us, review us. It helps us get noticed uh, um, in front of other comic podcasts. And then you know, the more downloads we get, the more attention we get, the better guests um, we can keep bringing in. We had Joe Keating on today who was great, and we want to keep bringing you those guests. So we need to keep our numbers up and keep you guys active. Um, so we really love to hear from you. Um, but again, we said this last week, thank you guys for listening. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. We got a really got re- a lot of great reactions on Twitter this yeah, week. To some questions that you asked. Yeah. And again, we're going to address all that stuff next week. We're going to dedicate a whole section to listener feedback. Sweet. So that is it for this week. Um, for Steve. Bye-bye. Bob. Aloha. And Stephanie. Bye-bye. I have been Bobby until next time on talking comics to be continued. Continued.